0: Well, this is a month of encounters. We ask that it's just not words or preaching, but that God, you'll come forth signs, wonders and miracles. That people individually, at homes, in the house, wherever they are, that God, you touch their lives and touch all of us in Jesus' name. And uh, <coughs> today, I think like most of us, I really enjoyed reading the uh, you know books about people who've known God, who've walked with God, who've seen great things. And uh, one of my favourites, which I've read a number of times, um, uh, Charles, The Memoirs of Charles Finney. You can get that online. You can actually you can Google that. It's a free download. If you want the link, I'll give you the link. I keep it in my phone. 638 pages in his real memoirs. Fantastic book. And uh, so encouraging. He was a lawyer. He wasn't a godly man. He wasn't really, you know, he was just an average sort of bloke, but... And he was uh, quite a tough cookie. And he, one night, he, uh, one night he, 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 God touched his life. And I'll, I'll read the account of it. This is a really, really small extract from the whole experience. You can read the real one. And uh, if you want the link, I'll give it to you. But he's the most, one of the most inspirational men I've ever read about. And uh, how God touched him. This is back in the 1850s, long before Parham and the father of the Pentecostal movement was even born. And, uh, you know, this, and this experience happened to him where he, he describes, not in the context I'm reading, the text I'm reading, but in the same uh, uh, page there, he talks about uh, the Holy Spirit come with gushings and utterings from the Holy Ghost that he didn't understand it, nor had he said he'd ever heard of from anywhere in the world of what had happened to him. And he truly got a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. And he says, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire... I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost, without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me, without any recollection, that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression-like wave of electricity going through and through me, and indeed it it, uh, seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I I recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed aboard in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. And I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out... It does say it in this this text, sorry. bellowed out unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves come over me and over me and over me... And one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I have no fear of death. How long I continued in this state with this baptism continuing to roll over me and go through me, I do not know. In this state, this, this book was written in around about the 1875. They didn't, this is his writings, 1875, something like that there where the, the, whole, the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, was a long, long way off. And, um, and he said, In this state, I was taught the doctrine of justification by faith. As a present experience, that doctrine has never taken any such possession of my mind, and obviously old English, that I had ever viewed it distinctly as a fundamental doctrine of the gospel. Indeed, I did not know at all what it meant in the proper sense, but I could now see and understood what was meant by the, by the passage being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I could see that the moment I believed... Well, uh, uh, the shortcut is, he said, I could not feel a sense of guilt or condemnation by any effort that I could make. My sense of guilt was gone. My sins were gone, and I do not think I felt any more sense of guilt than if I had never sinned. This is incredible, isn't it? And this was just the revelation that I needed. I felt myself justified by faith, and so far as I could see, I was in a state which I did not sin. Instead of feeling that I was sinning all the time, my heart was so full of love that it overflowed. My cup ran over with blessings, with love, and I could not feel that I was sinning against God, nor could I recover the least sense of guilt for my past sins. And um, if you read uh, the memoirs of Charles Finney, it's, it's uh, you know, it, people came into that office at the time, same time he received his baptism, and they also received that same baptism. And the fire spread from, you know, and, and Charles Finney ended up having revivals for over 40 years. He transformed the doctrines of, of Christianity in America, which was mostly, you know, Calvinism, predestination, and if you're not predestined to be saved, you can never be saved. There's nothing you can do to be saved if you're not predestined to be saved. And so therefore, don't even try. If God wants you, he'll come and find you. And uh, it was a horrible doctrine, but a doctrine that many around the world believed. And uh, yes, God did predestine us. He predestined us in his foreknowledge that we would come to him and yield to him. And uh, that's my view, not his. A couple of verses here. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea. Samaria to the end of the earth, Charles Phineas received his incredible baptism, incredible encounter with God, but he, there was it wasn 't to uh, give him just the, the sense of justification, even though it did when the, when, the, when the Spirit of God came through his life, there, there was an anointing, there was power, and there was a, you know, there was something that got a pathway that God had set before him, and that was established in that moment in in, in that time as it has with you and uh, he went on to uh, They they say that he uh, personally led a uh, a million people to the Lord. He was involved very much in the Second Great Awakening of America, where they said there was over in excess of one million people added to the membership of churches in that uh, Second Great Awakening. And uh, that was that God used Charles Finney in, in, in an incredible way. But he's not here now, but we are. Peter is. You know, and all you guys and leadership of people who come to pray, you know, we're here and uh you know i know this that god hasn't changed he's not a respecter of persons and uh all of us here have had tremendous experiences and times and past i have and uh god comes to us and you know i believe that god has called us each for his purpose That everybody is ordained everyone has a purpose and um i'll just show you a couple of things here you know Acts one eight, you will receive power after that. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses. You know to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. And uh, and, and so the, the the Spirit of God came with a purpose. It came with not only with power, but it came and put purpose in people's lives. Uh, when you look at the Acts 2, one two one to four, it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in uh, with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. I bought uh, Benny uh, when he was a young kid. A, uh, I think it was the Children's new living, new living Bible. And it says that in this particular uh, paragraph uh, section, it says, um, it says, and there was a, a noise like the sound of two big jet engines <laughs> that came across Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, and you think about it, a mighty rushing wind, but the whole of Jerusalem came running to, to the place where they were. And uh, obviously it must have been pretty powerful to be able to get... Thousands of people came, 3,000 were saved. In that, very, in that very meeting. And um, now th- this, this is amazing. It says, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. Okay, you got this? And one sat on each of them. And what's this? And one, there's 120 people in the room, one fire sat on each person. One fire for each person. Not one fire for the group. One fire for each person. Every person had their own fire. When the Holy Spirit comes in a a meeting, God, you know, and God calls us individually. Psalms 33 says, For the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling, he looks. On all the inhabitants of the earth, he fashions their hearts individually, and he considers all their works. And, uh, you know, to, to, to I believe is that. When we, you know, when we were filled with the Holy Ghost, when we gave our life to Christ, is that we received our own fire. We received our own baptism. We received, you know, in John the Baptist in in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist said of Christ, he said, There comes one after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost and fire. You know, that fire came to you. The Holy Ghost came to you. He anointed, he anointed you, He anointed you individually. He anointed you and he called you individually, he fashioned your heart individually, personally. Your, that is your personal fire. How about that one? Come on, that is your personal fire. Within the fire that you have, within the fire that you have was the calling of God, the equipping of God, the anointing of God. and you know and, and, the, and, and it's upon your life and it's there for to reside with you. The anointing comes once. You know, the the anointing oil and the oil that burned to the lamp were two separate oils. The anointing oil came once. I've been anointed. I was anointed when I got baptised in the Holy Ghost. I was anointed when I gave my life to Christ, when I got baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost. The anointing came. The purpose of God came. It hasn't changed. You know, like when you look at, uh, sometimes I've had people talk to me, you know, like, matter of fact, I I took a young guy out for lunch uh, Two weeks ago, his dad asked me to have his 30 year old. His dad asked me to, we had lunch with his dad and, and, uh, and the young fella. And he was in the building business. He employs nine people. And uh, he's grown up in a Christian home. His dad used to be a pastor. And he felt that, like there's always a duty that he should go out into the ministry. And, uh, you know, and he said, I've, I've, I really like what I'm doing, but he said, I've got this fall that's uh, always in my mind that I should be in the ministry. And I asked him, I said, What do you really love doing? He yes, said, I love building. I said, you love it? He said, I love it. I said, what are you really good at? He said, I'm really good at building. And I said, God didn't call you to be a pastor. Get that out of your head and never let it enter again. You know, I want to tell you what, for every hundred people that are, that are in Christendom, there was one pastor. And if the goal, the end goal for every, every believer is to end up as a pastor or a leader, what happens to the other 99? What do we do? You know, the calling of God, is, the calling of God and the gifting of God is wide and varied. And I thank God that when I was first saved, I had a good, sensible pastor. It was Kev Dales. He said, you're not called to be in ministry. You're not called to be a pastor. And thank God he said that because that was absolutely true. I mean, pastor is the hardest, toughest job. It really is. And if you're not gifted and you're not anointed and called for it, then if you take that call up, you can't win. I know Steve Harvey, the comedian. You know Steve Harvey, the comedian? You know, he's a presenter. He's a funny guy. American followed and uh, I watch him on YouTube occasionally. he got the kids. He does the kid thing. You don't know Steve Harvey? You must know Steve Harvey. It's you know, Afro-American, okay? He, he said this. He said, the gifts that you have are God-given. God gave you the gifts. And he said, he said your best chance of success is to follow your gifting and not your passion. Because people want to follow what they want to do, but they're not gifted for it. They're not called for it. God, God put a gift inside of us for a purpose of our life's work. It didn't make me such a tremendous builder that I am. <laughs> There's not a metamorphosis process whereby we, we work, we work, we get involved in business, we establish, we build ourselves up. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, after 15 years of running a successful business, God changes us and there's a metamorphosis process happens and the grub turns into a butterfly <laughs> and I've become a pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can tell you what the calling of God, that God is building His church and, you know, for, and, and the commission to go out, it, it needs everybody doing their role. I think some, two, of them, you know, two of the most significant people in our church, really, I'm not saying this, is Carlo and Rosa. Uh, Carla and Rosa, I mean, they, they, they got their calling, they got their fire, they got their anointing. You see their beauty on there. They're such beautiful people. They're such, they do such a great job. They're influential. They're, they're just marvellous people in their role. Everybody, you know, everybody that works in different departments and children works with kids and works in global care and works in the music and what would it be like without music? I want to tell you that the anointing, you know, I love the, the fact that the 120 people were there, that there were 120 fires, 120 flames. He fashions our heart individually. The calling of God was was upon us individually. He's called us to be fruitful. He's called us to have that baptism. He called us, you know, I'm anointed, not going to change. What I was doing 30, 40 years ago, I'm still doing today. When I was first saved, I just started my building business practice. What I'm now 40 years on, I'm still doing the same thing. I haven't changed. It's not because I don't like change, <laughs> ask Rita, and uh, I love change. And uh, but it's because that's what I—that's what I'm annoyed for. I'm not wavering. I don't never waver between two opinions or two lifestyles. You know, one of the things I've as I around over the years, the glass, What our glasses for? And uh, I can't see. I can see you now. <laughs> these short-distance glasses. You know, one of the um, one of the things in, in my in my travels. In my, this is what I've heard. There's a lot of people that want to do the will of God, you know. And everybody here, if I ask you, do you want to do the will of God? Why don't we just put your hand up now if you really want to do the will of God for your life? Come, every every hand, every hand. There's hardly a hand. I see no hand. Is your hand up? (laughs) Everybody wants to do the will of God, but not everybody knows what it is, and you can waver, waver, waver between the two. And I've found this, if you're going flat out and going with God and getting God anointing, it takes away the confusion. You'll know your calling. You know, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world, but be rather transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect will of God. That we can turn to God and get those encounter times and let the burning oil come inside of us. Oh, need filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what. You know, when the fire comes, it's your fire. Peter, guys, what would it be like? You know, you're an anointing on your life. You're, you know, you're so good at what you do. You've risen up to the top of your game. You know, you, you, you just do it with ease. What you do, people can't do. And you do it with joy. How do you ever do admin with joy? I've got son, Benny's like that. He loves to admin. Dad, I don't like building. I love admin. He loves that. He's good at it. How do you ever love admin? But you know what? Benny got his fire. He got his anointing. Peter got his you know, and we, we, we become the very best of what God called us to be. And together we make a body and together we go forward and together there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. Together we go through. And this one talked about the oil, getting this oil, you know. The anointing oil, when I'm anointed, is not the oil that burns in the land. In the uh, Moses' tabernacle, I've got to five past, ten past. Which one? What's that? Ten pass. Ten pass. Ten pass. <laughs> okay. 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 I just like to. I'm obedient. Everybody knows that. And uh, I'll just. Uh, I'll just preach it to you. i the notes. There's an oil from God in the, Old, in the Old Testament where Moses, and it says in, uh, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2 and onwards, it, talk, it talks about the, the, the tabernacle. It was a copy of the true tabernacle in heaven. And everything that Moses did was a copy exactly, and it says in 9, to, nine to of Hebrews that Jesus was a minister in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary. And, and Jesus ever stands before the altar of incense. He ever stands in, in that place of intercession. He stands there in the Holy of Holies. And he's invited us into that. But God, that's where he ministers. And when the uh, inside of the Holy of Holies, the, the holy place, was a lamp. The lamp representing the Holy Spirit. You know, we would have seen that. You know, the Jewish candle, the seven fires, the seven flames. And, uh, and, and that burned oil. The, the, uh, the, the, the candle, the lamp, burned oil. And uh, the priests would go in six times every day. Six times a day, they'd go into the holy place and they'd fill the lamp with oil. The oil came from crushed olives. That's it. That's it. All it had, crushed olives. And so when, you, when they used to go, and if you didn't put the oil in, as the, uh, you know, obviously the fire would go out. And uh, when you look at the Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 25, you know, with the parable of the five wise virgins, chapter three, chapter four, it says, and the foolish virgins took their lambs, no oil, no spare oil. Oil and lamp, fire, they get see it away, but no spare. The NIV says, the NIV says, which the, they all say, but it says it more clearer. It says, and the five wise virgins took their lambs and had spare jars of oil, spare jars of oil. They took oil, the, the King James says, they took oil with their lamb, which is separate, okay? And um, I want to show you that picture. Thanks, Andrew. We've got to get oil. Can we blow that up a little bit? A little bit more? That's that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Now, if you can see that, Zechariah chapter 4 showed a picture of two olive trees. In the center of the two olive trees was was the Jewish lamp from the tabernacle, seven fires, If you look from the olive tree you can probably just see it there from each of the left and right there's a gold pipe comes down and it talks about the gold pipes that came down and feed the oil from the olive tree because the oil of the the lamp burns pure olive oil into the receptacle above and the receptacle above which is described in Zechariah chapter 4 has seven pipes run running to each of those lamps from the reservoir of oil the spare reservoir okay and uh, so we see that there now Zechariah sees his vision And he says to the angel, he said, what are these two olive trees where the golden oil runs down into the receptacle that feeds the lamb? And three times he tried to describe it. And when he first asked it, and he said, for this is the word of God to Zerubbabel, not by might, verse uh, verse 6, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what that is. Not by might, not by power, but it's this is what you need. It's the oil that you get that's there for you to take. And uh, so he, he goes on and says, and he, then he, as soon as he tells him that, he says, For who are you, O great mountain? There was a mount of opposition against Zerubbabel. as Zerubbabel was a descendant of King David. He was governor of Judea. He was there and he was assigned to be able to build the temple work, to rebuilding of the temple. And, uh, and, and he had so much opposition from every quarter. And and, uh, God called it mountains of opposition. He called it a mountain. And then Zechariah, the word of God says, "'Who are you, a great mountain? Uh, but, "'But before Zerubbabel, okay, you shall become a plain. "'You will disappear. "'You will not be existing.'" And he said, that, and Zerubbabel's hands, he, he started and laid the foundations and his hands will complete the work and bring forth a capstone. The capstone was the final completed work of the temple building where they put a capstone around the top perimeter and the building was finished and over. And he says, his hands will also not only start the building, but his hands will complete the building and, uh, and bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. I want to tell you the grace, grace bit. The grace, grace bit is the stuff that comes out of those golden pipes, runs into the receptacle, and it's the spirit of grace. It's the oil of God, and that grace is for us. And that grace is the oil. I want to, you know, you can see that that grace flows into the lamp. You know, the five wise virgins had their lamps on fire. They had spare oil, and the oil. They're, they're this, this, this little picture here. He's talking about the completed building work. All right. Well, just a little bit further. Zechariah still doesn't get it. The third time, verse 12, he asked the angel again, he said one more time, he said, but what are these two olive trees? And he talks about the lamp again. And, uh, and the angel says, he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand before the God of all the earth. The two anointings. The two anointings. We know this in, uh, we're talking about what, what Zechariah saw was not just the rebuilding of, of, of the temple in Jerusalem by Zerubbabel, but he saw the building of the temple of you and I. He saw that com- the work completed. He saw in, uh, if you look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, But you all, as living stones, have been built together a spiritual house, a spiritual temple. That, w- that you all, that we all, as priests, will offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's what God wants, that we're going to come into, and he's building a house that we as priests will offer up spiritual sacrifice, sacrifice of praise, of worship, you know, and all those things. Now, it's interesting to know that when you look at the two anointings, I've done a fair bit of research and study in this subject, and they talk about the previous chapter, chapter 3, talks about Joshua, the high priest. Now, what God wanted was what Joshua had. God wanted the the temple worship, temple praise, temple sacrifice. God wanted that, but he couldn't get that until the temple was built. It wasn't Joshua that was building the house. It was the rubber belt. Now we know that there are two anointings. He said, These are two anointings. The two anointings. We are, it says in, uh, it says in, uh, two, in one, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For we are a royal priesthood. Royal, rule, king, priesthood, acts of service. We are ruling, reigning, kings, authority. We got authority. We are priests before God to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You know, he says, and it's not at the hand of the priest that you'll build a house. It's at the hand of Zerubbabel, you'll build a house. You see, it's Zerubbabel, the anointing, the authority, the son of David, the king, the, the, the descendant of David, the ruler, he was a governor. It's by authority that you build a house. God, what God wanted was what Joshua had, but he couldn't get what Joshua had until Zerubbabel had done his work. He couldn't get the work of the priesthood until the governing authority could actually work and build. And when it comes down to your life, until you take authority in your life, you might have lots and lots of great things that you can do. But if you don't establish authority around your life and start to rule and reign in your own life and family and, and your business and all you want to do, you will never offer up the sacrifices that God wants from your life. Come on, it's, 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 there's got to be something that stands up, takes authority, and lets the oil of that authority. There are two anointings. We can see that. You know, we've only got seven minutes. But you know, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 4, we see the two olive trees again. We see that there's a, uh, two uh, lampstands. Okay, and it's still flowing in today. The two witnesses. Now, people say that's Elijah and Bo, whoever else. Could be anybody. I don't tell you who it is. It's the church. It's the church. It's the two anointings that Zechariah saw. It's the same thing when, when Revelation uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, I think it is. Jesus is describing, telling who they are. The seven stars, the seven angels, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The lampstand is the church. The lampstand is the church. The seven lampstands is the seven churches. The lampstand is the church. Revelation 11, the lampstand, olive trees, anointing, two anointings, two trees, two anointings, royal priesthood, royal rule, priesthood, acts of service, their life's work. Work all week, work hard, make money, give money. That's an act of priestly act, an act of worship, an act of giving. And you know, you'll know you never do it effectively if you don't operate in both anointings, in the anointing oil and let it come to your life where we can take authority, things that are against it. Who are you, O great mountain? Mountain that stands against your life. Mountain that stands against your vision. Mountain that stands against the success of what you want. Mountains of things that you have a goal and you have a vision, but not able to achieve it. Those mountains, they must move. You know what? Who's an authority here? Is it the mountain? No, it is not. And you know, to be able to rise up and take that authority that God's invested in us and come back every day and be refilled with the mighty Holy Ghost. I see in the book of Revelation chapter 11 that the anointing, the olive trees... We're still there. The golden oil was still flowing. It was still flowing into the lamp right there at the very end. It's never stopped. It hasn't stopped from the time when Christ was poured out, when, sorry, the Spirit of Christ was poured out on the earth. It is flowing now and it's flowing just as much and it's flowing to you and I. And you know what? I found this is that you can get that oil anywhere, anytime, in the shower, in the toilet, in the car, in your bedroom, anywhere you want. You can turn your heart and the oil is there. It's flowing. It's flowing to you and I. I found in the time of prayer. A time of prayer is wonderful. A time of prayer is where you can be filled in a place of worship, in the presence of God. The oil flows and it's flowing in to you and I. You're in the place of prayer meeting, when you start to take authority over things and mountains and enemies of Christ, where we start to take authority and rule over them. I want to tell you the anointing and the power flows for that. There's a grace, 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 an oil of grace that can flow powerfully to you and I to make us all that God can be, that we can offer up our Spiritual sacrifices, you know, with, with tremendous success and all that God has for us to be filled with the oil. Come to prayer meetings. If you don't pray, you know what? i tell you this. I have seen very few people who don't pray ever achieve much in Christendom. Really don't. They're just mediocre. You do right. You come to church. But to do great things. I tell you, it's it's something about prayer, something about taking on the role of government. Now we are a royal, we're not just a priesthood, we're a royal priesthood. We rule and reign. What is it that stands against your life? What is it? What stands against your life right now that you don't have authority on? What is it? Nothing. See, it's not the question of the authority. The authority is with us. It's not the question of if we can, we can. The question is if we will. Will we? You know, and I found this is that every mountain will move like a move for Zerubbabel. rubber bell. It'll move for you. Because it wasn't the rubber bell that moved the mountain. It was the anointing. It was the anointing. It was the world. And uh what if we stand right now? We lift our hands to God. And I, I see that scripture, I lift my hands up, and see there the two gold pipes as I lift my hands up to God. I imagine my two hands as the two gold pipes. And I see the olive tree, I, Asking God right now, the olive tree's here, it's here today, it's, here, it's always here, but we're not always connected. But God, today we connect by faith, we're asked that every life, every person that we receive the anointing, God, the oil that's going to flow, the oil of God flows into our life, into our lamb, that we are considered amongst the five wise virgins, that God, we've taken time to fill our lamb, God, we've taken time to have a spare oil, spare receptacle, God, we ask in Jesus' name that this church will be known, and it is known, as the church where the Holy Ghost moves powerfully. It's known as a church that, God, we are filled. We are constantly filled. There's a the presence of God here. I've heard that over and over again. There's a presence in this church like I've felt in a few other places. It's so easy to work in this church because the presence is here. God, you're here. You're here right now. You're here right... God, you're here right now. God, you're here right now. God, you're here. You're touching people right now, right now, right now. You're just releasing the oil. You're releasing the spirit of prayer, the spirit of grace, the anointing oil, the power of oil. God, the power and authority where situations that might have been against your life will crumble. They will fall. They will become a, they will become a plane before you. And what was so big, it no longer exists. What was such a mountain no longer exists in your life. But God, we thank you today that God, yeah, that oil will flow. The oil to overcome. The oil to overcome. The oil to go through. The oil to go over and not under. And God, we thank you today for the power of the Holy Spirit in this church, in this life, yes. God, for all of us. God, we thank you. Thank you, thank you Lord. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Why don't we say this? I am a royal priest, I am, a royal priest. I am kingly in authority, I'm priestly in my acts of service. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.